five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. We're going to be talking about attribution and specifics in copy today. But first, let's have some fun with Aubrey Plaza. Apparently she's on Saturday Night Live. I'm not up with that because I don't watch it. I don't think it's funny anymore. But let's see what she's got to say. Have you ever looked at a tree and thought, can I drink this? I did. Hi, I'm Aubrey Plaza, co-founder of Wood Milk, the world's first and only milk made from wood. Here at Wood Milk Orchards, we're certain that our artisanal wood milk will be the only milk you'll want to drink for the rest of your life. Why? Because I said so. Our wood milk is bottled right here in the forest where the trees hit the dirt, which locks in the flavors like cherry, maple, and of course mahogany. What about walnut? And if you can't pick your favorite, that's okay, because they all taste like wood. Here's how wood milk is born. Not born, exactly. More like squished into a slime that's legal to sell. Let's give it a try. <laughs> oh. Got wood? Is wood milk real? <laughs> Absolutely not. Only real milk is real. Then what did I invest in? Is your milk real? Let's see what else got milk. Okay, so that's brought to you by the same association of wood, uh, of wood milk producers, of milk producers that brought you the got milk uh, campaign years ago. So very, very funny. And uh, let's let's dig into the uh, article by Kendra Clark. Okay, so. Uh, you know, you might not think it's a spoof given almond milk and cashew milk and I don't know what else they got. Soy milk, of course. That was one of the first ones. Oat milk. Right. And what I found out reading this article, excellent article by, by Kendra, was that the FDA recently ruled not all milk is equal when it comes to nutrition. What a surprise, right? So while you may be able to make milk out of anything, it's important to understand when it comes to being a nutritional powerhouse, only dairy milk is real milk. And we should note that the University of Wisconsin football team, who has been recognized as a powerhouse for literally decades now, especially because of their offensive line. They didn't do quite as well last year, but they did get to a bowl and they did win it, as usual. Okay, I think that their their record is really amazing as far as making the making the uh, making the bowl games and winning them in the last 20 years or so. When I was there, they didn't get any. They didn't get. They didn't win any games at all. Uh, we just drank our way through the games. Uh, not milk though. But anyway, a couple of decades ago, they made the change. Instead of giving their, their kids Gatorade and energy drinks, they gave them chocolate milk. And so the University of Wisconsin Athletic Department training regime with chocolate milk, which the guys kind of liked, was became legendary. And you probably wouldn't hear that anywhere else but here, right? So anyway, uh, excellent, excellent, a lot of fun. I think 
it would have been it would have been interesting to have some comparative of to milk along the way. I guess they figure everybody knows what milk is, but um, really they really you know, I maybe it was too serious. People are gonna they're gonna have they're gonna have merch that goes with the uh, the got milk or I mean the wood milk the wood milk campaign. So that would be fun if anybody wants to buy me a wood milk. Uh, you know, I, I especially like zip all the way zip up fleeces. If they have that for wood milk, I'd be interested. If you want to send me one, I'd be, we'll, we'll make sure your name gets on here. Um, attribution in retail. Now I was hoping Nicole, this is from Nicole Perrin at Adweek and Adweek performance. Um, you know, <laughs> David used to run it. I don't think anyone's running it now. Uh, because they just don't have much to do with it. It had some direct mail in it, um, and Stephen Yu would be in it, and uh, I haven't seen him in there in a while. Anyway, so I was excited that they finally had an article I could be, you know, sink my teeth into. I was hoping that it would say, it would talk about attribution in retail media. But that's not what it did. What it did was it talked about how we need attribution. And we don't have any. Absolutely true. And they made the point, you know, that's the way digital is in general. I keep trying to explain that when you do, it's easier to understand with TV. Because you're on the receiving end of broadly... uh, distributed ads so the the wood milk is a good example that's going to run probably on social but also on network television okay like the got milk we all know about the got milk because it was on network television whereas 99 percent plus of the advertising you see you don't see right not anymore if you don't pay for youtube which I highly encourage. YouTube is wonderful if you pay the $6 because it just, all the commercials disappear and you can go into exotic locations and learn a lot of stuff. Um, but with the commercials, it's just commercials and commercials and commercials. So you may not see this if all you do is hang out on social media. Okay? Why? Because you're not watching the TV. Okay? So when the TV Ads are broadcast to my demographic, 65 plus, golden agers or whatever it is. When those are broadcast, I probably don't see them because I, you know, we barely have TV working. I bought some little, little digital, uh, it's really UHF antennas for $15 or something. My, my son-in-law didn't even know you could put an antenna on a TV and get broadcast TV. His are all cable, you know. So kids these days, my son, I don't think, has an antenna on his TV. You know, they all pay 150 bucks a month for a cable. I said, you know, you can get a lot of TV without any paying anything. You can. <laughs> yes, you can. But there's commercials. So anyway, when you broadcast a commercial, you don't know who sees it on a TV. And you'd like to think that, you know, because you're you're seeing it on ESPN or whatever, they know a little more about you, but they don't, even if they know about you, they don't know whether you're sitting there or not. You know, sometimes um, I admit, I go to my channel and I just let the, let the, uh, let the, the next best guess play and let the, let the computer play overnight through my, 
my advertising or me uh, through my uh, through my videos at Miglosh Marketing. It doesn't really help, but you know. But anyway, by the end of the when I get back in the morning, it's like, what? I would never watch this stuff. And I think a lot of people let that thing just run. It it turns it on again. I have to keep turning it off. So you don't know who's watching it most of the time. And if you did, you don't know if they're paying attention. Okay. And so Nicole here makes the point, and this is just a here's some of the here's some of the retail networks that you can advertise on. My word, I picked that up from a different article, but it really shows you that there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on. You don't know where it's going because you're not just advertising on that one thing. So if you get a sale, even if it's through these networks, now you can tell if you know in general you advertise on these networks because you're also distributing your product through these networks. And that's a big advantage that they have. Unfortunately, like I said, they don't know who isn't watching. They don't know who's watching and not paying attention, right? So this isn't about retail media. This is about how we ought to have retail media and how they could work together. I mean, they could work on knowing more because they do have a transaction base, right? And that's what makes direct mail work so well. We know besides knowing who buys because it's, you know, the catalog buys from our own network, our own retail e-commerce site usually, because we know who bought, uh, you know, we know like they would at the end, but we also know who we mailed it to. We know that it got delivered, unlike much ad, much advertising, you know, even though it, they'll give you viewership, you know, a lot of it's bots. And they may not even really post it on real networks. You don't know. Depends on how careful you are. Depends on how much control you take. But, you know, there's ad placement networks that just... Put it out there and you get sales and you think, oh, that's great. Anyway, we know that it goes to a decision maker because not everybody in the household is going to be able to throw out the mail. My kids never were able to do that. I mean, we didn't let them do it. Okay. And lastly, you know it, that they made a decision. They engaged with your piece. They made a decision and they didn't buy. So we have an extra piece. We have the engaged non-buyers. And I'm I'm trying to publish that article. I wrote an article on engaged non-buyers and how direct mail has that and no one else does. Okay, so it's worth a read. It's interesting. It'll be in the in the show notes, wdma.org. But um, not what I'd hoped. Okay, and finally, let's go to Craig Huey, who, you know, I admire Craig because he doesn't just talk about mail. I, I cherry-pick the mail because so few people talk intelligently about mail. But he also does advertising in a lot of other channels. Okay, so a copy secret using specifics. I was at the gas pump the other day. And they were telling me about, you know, how clean their gas is. And I was thinking about the Shell Answer Man. The Shell Answer Man who talked about the detergents and the and the and the fuel injector cleansers that Shell had. Now everybody else had them too. But David Ogilvie had that account. And he went out and found out what they bought. I mean, what they put in their gasoline. David Ogilvie didn't write a word of copy before conducting 10 days of product research. And I'm going back and forth a little bit with uh, Corey. And uh, 
<laughs> he wants to know exactly what I can do for him. And I said, you know, what we really should do is spend a couple days talking about what you are doing, what you've been doing. And let's do that first. Okay. Before I, before I tell you what I can do or what you should do, let's find out what you are doing and what you think about it. And let's look for opportunities embedded in, in moving from where you are to where you ought to be. And then we'll talk about how we get it done, right? But, but David was very, very big on using specifics, like I illustrated there. <clears throat> this was great. I used to get the International Living Postcard, which was a daily email. Back in the days when I only got 100 emails a day and I could read some of them. You look out the window past your gardener who is busy pruning the lemon, cherry, and fig trees amidst the splendor of gardenias, hibiscus, and hollyhocks. For a moment, you think you've died and gone to heaven, but this paradise is real and affordable. In fact, it only costs half as much to live this dream lifestyle as it would to stay in your own home. International Liberty. What they do is they keep track of retirement places that you can go before everybody figures it out, before it's all full of Americans. <laughs> because once it is, then it costs the same to live there as it costs here. So there's not much point in it. But before that happens, as as one real estate international real estate expert said, <laughs> I heard him say, <clears throat> you want to buy when the blood is still drying on the streets. <clears throat> so when there's an insurrection or there's a an overthrow, <laughs> a revolution, the real estate prices get really reasonable. Now it may get your your real estate may get confiscated and nationalized, but you know that's a risk you take. Hopefully, you didn't really need that vacation home in I don't know where. I can't think of you know a really good uh, hotspot. Sudan probably good real estate prices in Sudan right now. Haiti also. Oh my goodness. Anyway, you can feel the wow factor. This newsletter is re about retiring overseas. And the fine details are what make this story sound true in the mind of the reader. Yeah, I can just imagine that. That's the trouble with grandchildren, you know. They make you stay put. My wife doesn't want to move any place colder and any place further away from Minneapolis. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you can't make that work. Uh, so we have a new granddaughter. Uh, I got a few. I mentioned that on Monday. That's I was late for work because we didn't get much sleep that night. But now uh, I got to I got a Zoom call with her, and we're going to go up there and see her shortly. Anyway, deliver it. So I'm not retiring probably in Sudan anytime soon. Deliver the detailed image first. Here's some tips. Then follow with a product promise. So cultivate that image. You know it's okay to have. It's okay to have uh, pictures, but, you know, put build that image in their mind. Take it from the picture to the mind. Focus on sensory details. And this goes along with the stuff that Summer Gould was telling us about how to do creative for direct mail. Tough, or touch, I think that meant to be touch. <laughs> touch, sight, sound, taste. And smell appeals to the emotions. And smell is actually the, the, the most embedded with your memory. Interesting. For logistical appeal, use specific numbers. Even at low engine speeds, 
The power units of the BMW X5 are quick to impress with maximum torque of 400 newtons per meter. I don't know what NM is. I think it is newtons at just 100 and at just 1300 RPM. Network marketers. There's just 400 network marketers at 1300 RPM, which is a lot like CPM and RFM. You might want to might want to avoid uh, acronyms also. That's just my own addition. Use details to show improvement. Tim Johnson used to handle accounts with uh, accounts payable by hiring a temp each month. That would be a nightmare. Now he uses QuickBooks and cuts his time and cost in half. Express an emotional reaction when you want your product prospect to feel. When I read the latest test and analytics report, I just about dropped my coffee mug. Let me show you what I mean. I also like that kind of intro. Try Technicolor details like like the international living and watch the results soar. And what Craig doesn't mention, which he usually does, is test. Okay, test it. I gave another perspective or another client, I gave him a test yesterday. I sent him a proposal. I sent him an invoice. And uh, they called up and complained. And I said, well, I've got a lot of ideas for you. And I think it'll be well worth your well worth your investment. Here's one you can just have. I said, look at your own co- catalog. You can do a black plate test of your, of your copy and your fonts at almost no cost. You don't have to have any more circulation. I can tell you how to, how to do that. And they looked and they said, I'll check it out. And it's very, very, it's almost completely unreadable. They said, well, we're not selling to any old people. Yeah, okay, right. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart.